Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Just Make the Thing, a podcast of people who want to start a thing and keep on making it. I'm your host, Claire Tonti, and today I have two special guests for you. Cameron DeWitt is an American claw hammer banjoist, a songwriter, an old-time musician, and also a fan of Mr. Sunday Movies and the Weekly Planet podcast, just uh, one of my husband's shows. Um, and he also hosts the old-time music podcast called Get Up In The Call. Cameron stopped by the pod studio to talk music and creativity and the really fascinating and sometimes problematic history of old-time music with his friend, Nara de Masson, who is a fiddler, an ex-circus performer, a woodworker and a musical instrument builder, among other things. I know, they make a hell of a lot of stuff. I was a bit in awe, actually, of their combined creativity and their ability to make making stuff seem so much a part of life and really joyful for the most part. I was so incredibly lucky to hear them play together and now you will too throughout this episode. I also learned so much about this world, the old time music world, and this community of people playing music for the sheer joy of it, drinking beer and hanging out together at festivals all over the world. Here they are, Cameron DeWitt, and Nara de Masson. Cameron, you emailed me kind of out of the blue, really, and yeah. said that you've come all the way from the US to Australia, out to the bush, to out do to some bush. touring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's great to have you here. I'm very keen on it. Ah, oh, cool. Um, yeah. Because that's actually how you found me, isn't it? Yeah. I was a, I've been for years a, a fan of um, the Weekly Planet and um, Mr. Sunday Movies. And yeah, I'm probably one of the only like old time musicians that I know that <laughs> also listens to that show. There's so many weird like barely overlapping Venn diagrams in the old time music community, and mm. like I would be like, "Do y'all like comic book movies?" <laughs> and most yeah. of them are like, "I don't watch popular culture <laughs> <Yeah>. things." You know, <laughs> everyone's just yeah. chewing on some straw. Yeah, or yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah actually, a, a lot of the chair. old the old time musicians here in uh, Melbourne, a surprising number of them are woodworkers. Really? Yeah, it seems to be this thing like, oh, you play fiddle. Oh, you, you must be a woodworker. Yeah. It's sort of like, so there is a, some common mm. overlap there, but um, yeah. Yeah. Other, I'm sure there's other areas that don't overlap. No. Yeah, like I've always dreamed of at an old time festival uh, starting a Dungeons and Dragons game. Hey. But yeah. like, I've been like kind of putting my feelers out for the last couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> so like, just yeah. to see what's out there. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. I'm sure there's, everyone is a nerd about something, yeah. right? And if people, because I can kind of tell from the little bit that I've had a look into old time music, that it's a real community and yeah. a pretty kind of deep dive nerdy oh, community, yeah. right? Yeah, it's intensely, yeah. profoundly nerdy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in a great way because, I mean, I think sport is just as nerdy. It's, yeah. all, it's all, if you're hardcore into whatever mm. you're into, then that's deep diving into nerdy stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like cricket, it's like slow and long. <laughs> Goes for a long time. <laughs> You've got this, like, evil grin on your yeah. face, Nara. Yeah. Like, yeah. So how did you start finding old-time music? Like, what was your – so you're a woodworker, Nara, right? Yeah. Yeah, a woodworker and a fiddler. What was your journey to finding old-time music? Did you grow up with it? A little bit, yeah. But I just found it more recently in Melbourne, I guess, because there is a big community here that sort of drew me in eventually. It took a little while to get there, but um, I, I was into other sort of – forms of folk music but not strictly old time music and then it I guess it finds you I, I'd say <laughs> I'd say was that would you say that old time music finds you Cameron or did you sort of yeah it, it did and I was really resistant to it because like I was a songwriter and that was like my main creative output but uh I was sort of like sticking to my guns so it's like that's what I do and then old time music just kept proving again and again to be more fun and more rewarding <laughs> than like than making an album every couple of years and rehearsing yeah. with a band and having people quit and then like 
there's just like so many obstacles. Yeah, to there like, is there is something that in old time music that I've done more of than ever before, and that is play music for fun with yeah. your friends. Whereas before I was into that, it was always under the pretense of rehearsal or gigs. But now we would go, we would act- actively seek out and even possibly pay to go to a festival to play music around the campfire and hang out with your mates. And that's actually, for me, having been a professional musician as well for quite some time and worked a lot and, and you can get, get a bit burnt out and go, oh, well, I don't feel like rehearsing or, or I get, well, I'm just overdoing the, another corporate gig or whatever it is. But now I'm like, oh, actually, I'm in, I play this music that I really like to play and I love to, like, play it with people or meet, like, I met Cameron through old-time music and it's like, this is awesome and we, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, we barely know each other, but we can start playing music immediately. Yeah. And like have fun and then learn things about each other through playing the music, but then also just like in between the tunes, you know. Yeah. But like that's our like sort of main. I don't I hate saying social lubricant, but that's like, you know, what it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah. It's all about the conversation in between the tunes for sure. That's like a <laughs> yeah, part of it. Too. <laughs> <laughs> the beers or something as well. Oh, and yeah, yeah. yeah. The whiskey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And other things. And other things. Okay. Yeah. You're kind of really selling it for me now, too, yeah, yeah. I feel like. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there's, a, yeah. there's a frustrating thing when you're a creator of just anything where you're, there's a lot of pressure to create the things that, that people want. And to know what people want and to do what they want and just it can be really hard, especially if what you like, it requires you doing a hard sell um, for like, hey, this is valuable because mm. this. You yeah. know? So like old time, it's just like, a yeah, like you said, it's like so relieving to play music for people and to know that they know what you're doing mm. and know how to appreciate it. It's like a skill yeah. to know mm. how to like something sometimes. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, well, from what I've seen on my YouTube dive, and also I do know that bluegrass and old-time music are different. I'm so relieved Correct. that I don't have to, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, like, explain, like, <laughs> that I'm not here playing bluegrass. No, right, exactly. Thank so you, Claire. You are welcome. <laughs> Best like... host ever. Oh, my God. Excellent. I have to get that in writing. <laughs> no, so, but what I have seen play, I haven't seen old-time music live except just then, which is so cool, that, and you're going to play us a tune very yeah. soon. But I have seen bluegrass played live and or I stumbled into a big banjo session where there were probably like a massive circle of people. Oh, yeah. And they sort of said it was at a pub just on Johnson Street in Melbourne. It was just kind of, it wasn't a performance. It was like everyone bring your banjo and hang out and drink some beer. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, so what I was struck by when I saw them playing was, yeah, exactly that, that it was fun. Like it was just Mm. a big fun round. Everyone's experimenting. There's none of that artistic kind of angst and, and pressure like what you were saying, Cameron. Like it was just a big fun round. Everyone's experimenting. There's none of that artistic kind of angst and and pressure like what you were saying, Cameron. Yeah. Sounds pretty awesome. Okay, well, would you like to play us a song? Yeah, we're going to play Jenny Get Around. It's a tune, no words, just an instrumental. Ooh, is this J.P. Fraley? No, this is... uh, Salyer? John Morgan Salyer, yeah. Okay. Okay. And and Nara recently illuminated that the Jenny get around, this is not like a slut shaming song. Jenny is like a horse. Oh, that's really good to know. <laughs> yeah. Especially in 2018 because I yeah, was yeah. actually, it's funny, isn't it? Because I did actually think that and maybe a year ago I wouldn't have thought about it. Yeah. But there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So just as a side note too, you guys don't have any music. You've got a little notebook that has what? The oh, the names of some titles. Yeah, yeah, just that's like remember titles. which tunes All of this music's in your head. You don't, you don't play old time music from notes. Yeah. And in okay. fact, often you'll absorb it a lot better if you've learned it by either somebody teaching you or listening to a recording to learn it. Mm-hmm. I do have some books with notes, and I'll normally use it as a reference rather than an initial source of learning the song. Yeah, you never just look at it like you never go to a jam with like sheet music for the tunes. <laughs> Everyone, measure three. <laughs> Yeah, and and it actually means that as a musician you get quite proficient at picking things up on the fly. And that is the tradition, like old fiddlers, before there was the internet and and CDs and and even well, there was radio and unless you had some device to record it, you'd only hear that song once on the radio and then you'd often a fiddler would go, well, that was amazing, then they'd pick up their fiddle and try and play what they could of it or they'd be out at a gig and often the fiddlers like if they didn't want people to pick up their tune they'd play it really fast 
and and it'd be like and especially in the competition. So like somebody trying to learn it would have to go home and try and remember what it was that they played. And that's how some people made money is those like fiddle contests yeah. back then. That was like their bread and butter. So yeah. <laughs> you hold your secrets close. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not like that anymore, really. <laughs> no. no. Really. Are there universal, like, really famous songs that if you're going to start into old time music, you start with? Yeah, yeah. Old Joe Clark is old pretty. Joe Clark. Cl- is a pretty classic. Um, and and uh, Cotton Eye Joe, which was the the '80s pop classic. that is actually a really legit classic. I love playing that as an old time tune. But it, I don't like what they did with in the '80s. But. Ah, oh, but each to their own. <laughs> Nothing against them, but whatever. Okay. No, that tune's a slap. It's so good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that one. Yeah, exactly. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's fun. Yeah. I love it. Okay, I'll uh, take it away, guys. Yeah, jang it around. about a horse, ostensibly. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can sort of imagine a horse riding along. Or yeah. one of those things you take to the picnic to fire up the stereo or the fridge. <laughs> Jenny, yeah. take your Jenny out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very uh, good. W- what I loved watching you guys play was when you were looking at each other being like, oh, yeah, this is a good bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? you, when, you when you're playing, because you don't, haven't known each other very long. Like, True. True. Have, how long did, did you rehearse that song for? Oh, we've played it a couple of times. I don't believe we ever rehearsed we know, it. We know, you don't really rehearse it. If you both know the tune, you just play it. Yeah. yeah. And that's like, why I, I guess you, you, you look at each other. Is it's, a, like, it's like having a conversation. It's like, oh, you, you, you sort of got that accent or you say it like that or yeah. you do what, you know, it's sort of like. Yeah. It's, there's sort of like a lot of like, see what I did there, kind of like moments or like. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, very good. Yeah, it's so interesting. It's like a conversation. From a musical point of view, mm-hmm. so obviously there's lots of songs that you learn to know from hearing them or being taught them by people and then they're universally kind of known like in Australia or over there if you're in the old-time community. Is that what I'd be right? Yeah, yeah there's yeah. a lot that are common. Um, however, I think that um, old-time musicians in particular seem to be really proud of their individual repertoires, like traditionally and mm. today. And mm. like you're a valuable fiddler because a fiddler often like – leads a jam yeah. or um, leads a session. Um, you're a valuable fiddler if you can bring, it's sort of like, it's like a potluck, you know? And it's like, if, <laughs> oh, this is my very special yeah, recipe. Yeah, we have a definite, special yeah, exactly. family 
you know, people, Jenny get around. People <laughs> love to go to that jam with that person because of how they cook up that particular tune. Or yeah. How they, you know, and oh, that, they're going to bring uh, their sea tunes. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, it's going to be really good. Yeah. Everyone has a shared musical vocabulary, and so just because you don't know a tune doesn't mean that you can't play it. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So from a musical perspective, does that mean that there's you're learning kind of chord progressions that you then play in the particular style? How does that work? So right then we weren't playing any no. chords. There were we know the chords moments. that go behind. Because I'm a guitar player, I guess I always think about fiddle like that. Mm. But um, but some fiddlers probably don't, and they just learn the melody. But I sort of there's different ways you can harmonize, especially and that's the freedom with just fiddle and banjo. Especially you don't have a guitar player to get in the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you're doing the note. You're doing not chord progression. Yeah, I was just playing, playing the more or less the same. Yeah, you notes can do as like was, rather than if I do you want me to just demonstrate. Yeah, yeah. So okay. you've got like you've got a melody which is. Um, so that second line, I might do which I would did a couple of times. I'd go. So I put in an extra note, a double stop, and it implies a different chord. Or you could go, you know, you could, yeah. or, you know, there's plenty of options or, there. <laughs> yeah, or that. Sometimes yeah. Yeah. Cameron likes to have a lot of fun doing that, actually. Like, yeah. it's, and it's good. It, it keeps it interesting. Like, oh, what about this option? Or, yeah. You know, cool. keeps, keeps it. So it's not really restricted. The chords are up for negotiation, but mostly the fiddle and banjo are just playing uh, notes mm. so yeah. and rhythms same. and textures. So is it the same melody repeated? In different ways. Yeah. Is that how you would describe it? Yeah, so yeah. like what the melody is, a little bit philosophical because, uh, so, uh, you know, someone else could play Jenny Get Around and you could recognize it, but they would play different notes. Mm. So it's, Whoa. yeah, so it's yeah. like uh, the, the melody, the, what the tune is, is, is maybe a little bit more of a, like a sort of an outline, like a general idea of what the form is, how many beats it has, mm. and the general contour of like when it goes up and when it goes down. That kind of thing, but like we're playing the same melody there, but he's going da 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 like doing a lot of notes, and a lot of banjo players will play. It'll still sound like Jenny Get Around, but it'll be like. It'll sound more like that yeah. or something, you know, as opposed to all of the fiddle notes. It'll yeah. be like a. But it still sounds like the tune, yeah. even though it's different notes. Yeah. And then the nice thing about the banjo is it crosses over like that. You know, I mean, Cameron plays all the notes and he practices scales and stuff like that, which is really cool. And a lot of banjos players won't do that necessarily. They'll pick out a very simplified version of the melody, but it's all about the rhythm and, you know, there's heaps of different ways to approach it. It's really yeah. individual. And then a fiddler playing the tune might not play the same notes every time. It depends on, like, the tradition that you play from and your own personal style. Yeah, but, like, exactly. a, a Missouri fiddler, they have a really loose understanding of, like, uh, they're not precious about the specific notes. It's like, oh, this is the tune, but then they'll play it completely different every time. Yeah. But it's still recognizable. And mm-hmm. then maybe, like, a West Virginia fiddler, maybe I, in my experience would play it more the same every time. Yeah, note for note. Yeah. Wow. So it depends on what you're going for. And back to your in- initial question was uh, <laughs> I guess you could say that a lot of old fiddlers maybe only had 20, 30 tunes in their repertoire, maybe more, maybe less, depending on what they picked up. But now with um, a lot more, I guess, travel with different states within the US and stuff or and even in Australia, similar thing, But and the internet and wide availability of recorded material, People that collect, like it's not uncommon for some people who have been playing this sort of stuff for like 10, 15 years, they might have five, 600 tunes. They can, Whoa, they, they, once you start listing them all, you go, oh, I've got a lot of tunes I've played or I can recall or I can. Actually, in the old the old timers, people would go to them for their tunes and that would be quite, they, often there would only be, yeah, not very many. Oh, it's like a secret sauce or something, like just yeah. their recipe yeah. and you'd have to only, you could, because it's not written, it's yeah. oral, it's an oral tradition. Sounds like storytelling. Yeah, it is. It's exactly yeah. like storytelling. Yeah, because mm. in, in the same way that storytelling is a folk tradition, and and often that storytelling and it goes hand in hand with it. with old time yeah. music. Yeah, like the old ballad singers were storytellers, and and they were and you would go and um, if a ballad singer taught you their song, then it was a real privilege. You get to sing their song and or whatever you know. The, and you hear them same thing come up in different ways, and they might swap a few different words yeah. here or there or. Yeah. And they're mnemonic devices because they have 
meter and they exactly. have and they have rhymes so they're yeah. easy to remember so yeah. then you can remember the story yeah. yeah and so it's a little bit like if a story gets passed down three generations there's always a little bit of embellishment oh, in yeah. different spot parts <laughs> or different people oh, yeah. would make bigger a part of it that not so the other person didn't so it's a bit you know yeah. as it gets passed down but the core of it is still yeah. that inte- the musical integrity of it is still the yeah it's still the same story even though all the details yeah. are different yeah <laughs> Because I want that's something else I wanted to ask you about. Where did it really stem from, this old time music? Like, what's the kind of cultural background of it? Yeah, so people lately have been fighting to redefine this because there's been some ideas that are a little actually very, very whitewashed. Uh, the music is like profoundly black and uh, isn't as much anymore, at least, at least in terms of modern participants for a lot of reasons, but um. The banjo is a West African instrument. Well, it is a African American instrument. It was, but it's related to the akonting and other similar instruments in West Africa. But it's distinct in the Americas, and they found the earliest banjos in uh, New York and Suriname, and just sort of anywhere where there were um, people practicing vodun and various things. It was a religious instrument that actually was kind of appropriated, um, like the slaves invented it and it's somewhere down the line it got you know the <laughs> people are like hey this is uh this is a it, pretty cool thing in, you got I, here. I got i got told uh i think it was craig woodward told me was telling me that there's i can't remember what country in africa but there's a whole once slavery it was ended in the u.s a whole lot of africans got sent home and they took old time music with them and there's yeah. actually a couple of countries in in Africa that play a much more americanized version of their traditional music which I, which I found fascinating oh, yeah. it was like it came to america and it evolved and then kept evolving you have to look into that yeah yeah i think that would be yeah, really yeah. worth checking out absolutely um, is i could almost imagine that there's quite a bit of tension then around the origins yeah i mean because it's traditional american music and america Traditionally sucks. Um, <laughs> yeah, but hey, you said it. <laughs> yeah, but the 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 people in yeah. America who were there for many different reasons. Yeah, often the poorest people and most marginalized people are the best artists that yeah. have ever existed. I think um, America has a history of like defining its own musical style. Like you just have to look at jazz and like Hank Williams country. Like it, it's sort of it's quite profound in, it. and it, I think that's its people. You know. America, yeah, it does suck as a country, but it's like, but it's people, like it's sort of, a, and it's folk culture yeah. and everything. It's really interesting. Yeah. Why do you say that it sucks? Like, I know that obviously for obvious reasons, we can kind of laugh about it, but sure. why do you say it in such a. I mean, I guess part of me is, is bitter that the music that I like is problematic and I have to like tiptoe around it sometimes because not all the tunes are just benign, like Jenny Get Around. And some of the tunes are offensive because they were played by a. Uh, people with offensive ideas. Um, and so there's... You mean like white supremacists? White supremacists yeah. and everyone was <laughs> sexist like, um, back then. Like we were teaching uh, at the, this camp and we were like teaching short and bread and people were like, oh, we should sing it. I was like, let's not even go there. Let's not sing Mama's Little Baby Loves Short and Bread because it's like it gets pretty, yeah, it's really not PC to get into that. Right. Yeah. Um, so there's a movement today in the old-time community to reevaluate what stuff deserves to be canon still and appropriate to play. Uh, And people are getting really pissed off about it because there's a lot of young people who are excited to participate who are like, hey, what the hell is with this tune, with this title and these words? Like, can we not play this anymore? Um, and, uh, And some of the older players and some of the younger players are like, no, this is our history. And it's like, well, we can decide which parts of our history we want to, like, revisit together at this festival, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. Just just with the you know, tearing down statue, you know, Confederate statue mm. kind of, yeah. we're not erasing it by, yeah. you know, shelving it necessarily. It's still in archives. Yeah. It still exists. We just don't have to play it together, you know. Mm. But as far as the, you just can't just have nice things, you know. It's like the old-time music is incredible, but it does exist because of a culture of, like, I mean, it's, I mean, like I was saying with the banjo, it's a, it was a religious ritual 
instrument. And then, you know, fast forward, like through slavery and the Industrial Revolution, and then it was like the primary pop instrument turn of the century. Like, what happened? You know, not that America has the... It's the only people, you know, taking valuable cultural things and sort of um, yep. doing terrible things with them. I'd say, I'd say banjo is the probably one of the only American, truly American instruments. Probably, I'd yeah. say, you know, like if you look at all the other instruments that have come from Europe, European traditions, whereas banjo is like taking this more primitive African thing and like yeah, the, the especially like the bluegrass banjo is like a totally Americanized sort of instrument and they're really yeah. proud of it. You know, they love, yeah. they love the banjo. Mm. Oh, know. it's an amazing instrument. The sound yeah. of it is just so fun and amazing. And a lot of the fiddling too is profoundly African. Like mm. um, they had in West Africa like fiddle analogs. Like they were playing stringed instruments with bows. Um, so like... Another another thing that people are trying to dismantle is this idea that, oh, like, uh, old-time music is fiddling and melody and Western music structure from, um, you know, the UK and, and the Scotch-Irish, you know, mm. uh, settlers in America um, and, and the, like, the rhythms from Africa. It's like melody from Europe, rhythms from Africa. It's mm. like, no, it's... It's all African. It's, it's all African. And it's... And there's profound European influences too, obviously, you know, mm. but like it's. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's not as cut and dry and as, as consensual as people like to idealize it. Mm. People mm. have idealizations about old-time music and traditional music as being, like, very pure and harmless. Yeah, idyllic. And uh, the truth, I think, is a lot, a lot more – it, it, it deserves wrestling with. But I think it's a lot more valuable than any sort of fetishization of like of something being completely pure and perfect and yeah and white essentially yeah which is really part of what we're saying isn't yeah. it and I find that really interesting because there's obviously blues and all of that all of that traditional music you know even like for instance major pop kind of like Frank Sinatra or something of that era his style of music even really would come from African-American cultural heritage too, right? Yeah. Or Elvis, a lot of oh, like yeah. Elvis <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> borrowed, begged, you know, kind of yeah. whitewashed over a lot of African-American yeah. artists. Too. I find it interesting in Australia in the context of like old time and traditional folk music here to differentiate whether, I guess the conception is, yeah, it's all Scotch and Irish and English stuff. There is a lot of that, but I, I think a lot of the more documented stuff from in the last sort of 80 to 100 years was very influenced by American music, so it's hard to know how. Um, I, I do think that if you look into some of traditional Australian stuff, there is yeah, very sort of, and even German influence like in, in our sort of traditional folk music, which, and, and interestingly, we share tunes with, our, with old-time music you know, like Australian tunes and, and American old-time tunes and, like, you'll, there is some shared repertoire there sometimes and or versions of tunes that have evolved, and even though they're the ones that have come from the Scotch and Irish mm. tradition. Yeah, but, yeah. I, yeah, it's hard to know how much, like, especially Indigenous Australian music, like country music, you know, that a lot of that stuff has been influenced by American music, which is black out, music. I and just like, found out like, about mission string bands. Like, yeah, I yeah. didn't know that was a thing. Oh, yeah. So, like, yeah. It's actually yeah. really interesting you say that because I worked in a couple of different in, um, Aboriginal communities up north. Um, one, I was there for a year, and they love country music. Oh, yeah. Everybody, like, they have local radio stations, you yeah, know, they run love by. It. They love it. It's yeah. everywhere. I mean, obviously, not every Indigenous person likes the same things. You know, that's yeah. obviously a big generalisation. But the communities that I worked in, and I worked in, you know, Kananara, which is like right up north in WA, and then I went across to a place just outside of Brisbane, um, just near Mergen, called Sherberg, and they love country music there as well. Mm. It was this real kind of... And then obviously R&B and rap and all of that stuff mm. too was really, you know, heavily played everywhere on their local radio stations. Mm. So 
it is interesting, isn't it, if you think that the heritage of that is actually from African America and Yeah. It's hard to know. Like I I've struggled we struggle with that as like a new continent, <laughs> relatively new continent. What how much of that tradition is pure, purely from this place? I mean none I mean none of it is really I mean, except for uh, the Aboriginal music, but mm. uh but, you know, I think there's been so much influence, even with influence in the Scotch and Irish heritage stuff, which is which has a quite a long tradition imported here. And, I don't, yeah, it's, it's, I've always sort of found it fascinating. Yeah, it is. But what's, I guess it's like everything comes from everything, doesn't it? When you're talking about, like we do on this show a lot, making stuff, whatever that stuff is, yeah. you're inspired as an artist by lots of things around you and yeah. lots of different traditions and... You know, there's only so many. I mean, obviously, you can slide up a violin or a fiddle and make lots of notes, yeah. but really, there's only a finite amount of yeah. notes. And <laughs> you know, melody comes from melody. All of those. But there's so traditions. much music in all of that. It's yeah. like it's yeah. it's yeah. it's almost infinite. Like in and yeah. and what and and that's what's interesting about different cultures is like they play the same instruments but they play it really different mm. and it's like wow that's and there's only sort of a quantifiable amount of tonality in a, a certain instrument and it's like wow that's it's amazing that yeah. I, this is a bit of a change of tack I wanted to ask you both as I'm someone who struggles a lot with making stuff I'm sort of I studied music at university and have done voice and things like that, but I've never really had that drive to perfect music or perfect anything really. And I can see that both of you have that in you. Have you always had that kind of streak of going down the rabbit hole of a creative endeavour and really perfecting it or or trying to perfect it or have you struggled with uh, stopping or not being perfect or being frustrated? Yeah, I've, I've struggled a lot with with that, I've always had creative ideas. Yeah, I've always struggled with execution. Um, and then I've made like a few like studio albums. And then as soon as, by the time I get everything recorded, it's like, I don't want to like go play these songs. I'm, I've already written new songs, you know, or whatever, you know. And it's, it's like the business side, the networking side, the how do you get your thing out there side has always been really rough to me. And because of that, I think it's been discouraging, especially the more I adult I get, <laughs> the more I the more I identify as an adult, the the How old are you now? Twenty nine. Cool, you're nearly there. Once you hit thirty, that's it. It's yes. done. No. <laughs> totally um Yeah, the more discouraging it gets when you make something and then it's like, Oh well, now what do I do with it? Because and you only have so much time and there's all this pressure to like the rest of the aspects of your life. You know, the I don't want to say get in the way because they're important too, but um, yeah, I definitely struggled with um, that side of it, the promotional side. Of yeah, it. and then my creativity would wane because I knew that I had this idea that I couldn't just do something and have it be valuable by itself. Like, especially if I want other people involved, it's got to be something that actually gains momentum. Um, and that was the part that always got me stuck. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Do you did you always? think that you needed to make a living from your your creative art or I did yeah I I think I was you know I was told an entire childhood like you can do whatever you want to do you know so then like the dark side to that is like if you don't succeed it means that you didn't want it enough you know (laughs) you know what I mean like yeah so I think there was always sort of a pressure to do that like the idea of like you can't have an identity in something unless um you can be released to do it financially yeah there's like a lot of a lot of that kind of kind of pressure i think on artists of all different kinds yeah Mm. do you make a living from what you do now or do you have other jobs as well right now uh all i do is podcast i make my podcast get up in the cool which is an old-time interview uh and music podcast and it's a weekly show. So I do that. And um, I make money from Patreon supporters and um, some sponsors. And I do that. And I teach um, banjo lessons via Skype um, from oh, people, wow. from people mostly that I've met through the show who've wrote in and be like, hey, I want to study banjo with you. So that and then performing. So at the moment, yes. Um, and hopefully, it's kind of a new thing for me, actually, just like I recently quit my job 
Like what in was like your job before? May. I taught at an uh, after-school oh, – sorry. It was an organization that um, did music for free for underprivileged youth uh, in Philadelphia uh, called Rock to the Future. It was like all pop music. And I, I was the assistant program director there. It was a very demanding job <laughs> uh, emotionally and time-wise. And so I was – it was getting to the point where – my interests and my passions were starting to look like they could be an actual income, but it was really, I wasn't getting to spend time with uh, my family <laughs> between doing my full-time job and then doing my other stuff. So I'm in, <laughs> I'm in the part of my career where I've just sort of taken the leap and now I'm trying to catch back up to where I was income wise. <laughs> That's the goal. Yeah. yeah. And it's stressful, but it's been really, really fun. And I've been, so much like the so much more creative and able to put more put more time into it. Yeah, well, you've got more time because I have more time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good on you. And I have to. Yeah, well, <laughs> and I have the to other now. Part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is good. And I I am someone who does not thrive with a lot of freedom. So now that I have like specific responsibilities and people to, you know, I have to get guests on the show and I have to pay those guests and I have to um, get enough money for my family and stuff like that, you know, and so like, and there's a bunch of people who like the show and want me to do it and they'll be like disappointed and maybe like stop funding it if I stop doing it. So like, I am someone who really, really needs um, external motivators Mm -hmm. in order to make stuff. I hear I'm totally exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Otherwise, yeah. that's my own advice is I'd never do anything. What about you, Nara? Because you were a professional musician, right? Yeah. I spent um, most of my 20s and the, oh, yeah, up until probably the last five years mainly on and off. I, I guess I've done all sorts of creative stuff and um, – Circus More performing, being circus one of performing. Wow. I, I spent I spent uh, from 2010 to 2013 touring the world with circus, and that was my main income for that time. What uh, did you do? What kind of circusing? It was like a show that was in Spiegel tents. You know the Spiegel tent. Yeah, yeah. So it was a designed for Spiegel tents, and I wrote all the music and performed it. And yeah, that was. But that was tiring. Um, I, I find performing uh, you, you have to tour. And then you're often away from home and then if you've, like, I've got kids and recently bought a house and stuff, so I've got, like, a mortgage and other sort of responsibilities. And I've always found that, you know, like, the more that you leave your home, the less time you have for stuff that you like to do at home. And that's often is a creative practice as well, like, because I do a lot of woodworking and I make musical instruments, I'd be performing was great and I'd tour the world and it was really fun. I sort of just wanted to be at home making banjos. We're basically I've, like tagging out right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're kind of starting and, and you, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, you're yeah. in, you're like going right in, like you know, full on, and that, it, and that, yeah. and um, but you know, and uh, but I'm what ten years older than you, so it's, it's like it's you know, I feel like I have done that, and I, and I always put that pressure on myself. And I, as you get older, I think you probably do pressure yourself less. And I, like I still do, go, oh, I should be, I would like my ideal like lifestyle would be play music whether it's on often there are festivals and weekends and stuff and then um and while I'm at home I've got a big wood workshop at home and it's like looks out onto the wombat forest at the back and it's like just hang out there and make whatever I want to make whether it's sculptures or musical instruments or mm. a kitchen for somebody I don't really care I, I, I'm just really quite happy being in that like environment where I can and then I knock off work and like sit on the deck and play a few tunes and have a beer it's like that's all you that's all you yeah. need to do you know Okay, couple of questions before we finish. There's some funny ones. What does claw hammer mean? Oh yeah, uh, so that is the technique of banjo playing that I do. Um, so uh, it is without picks. Uh, most claw hammer players grow out their nails if they're able. Yes, I know 
noticed that yeah. and I wanted to ask you because yeah. you've got like quite long nails on one hand. I do, yeah. So on my right hand, um, uh, I use the nails to play the strings. And then some people like a fretless banjo player will also have nails on their left hand um, in order to sort of slide along the strings. But I don't. I have frets on my banjo, so I have short nails on my left hand, long nails on my right hand. It's a lot of look. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's sort of a, it's actually a lot closer to the West African uh, methods of playing the ancestors of the banjo. This It's more like a drum on a stick as opposed to bluegrass banjo or uh, ban- plectrum banjo, banjos with a, that you play with a pick. Um, so bluegrass banjo would be like a, fin- a lot of fine finger movement mm-hmm. where you play each individual uh, note with a, you know, a string with a different finger um, and do sort of these rolls or a pick. You would just strum it or play individual notes. Uh, but uh, claw hammer is more like playing a drum. Okay, can you show us? Yeah, so um, the basic stroke would be um, like playing a melody note and then strumming and then catching that fifth string. For those of you who've seen a five-string banjo before, it has this weird little little string on top. That's the fifth string. So it, it comes halfway down the neck, and that's the one I get with my thumb. So That's like the basic stroke. And then what you do is you sort of embed a melody into this banjo texture. So um, whenever you don't have a... When you have a longer melody note, you that's when you do the strumming and stuff. So like if you you know, like you are my sunshine would be like I don't really like this song, but this is just an example. Yeah. Um, but if you were to do that with a claw hammer style, it would be a Texture, rhythm, and melody, all in the all same in my instrument. Mind. Yeah, so so fascinating. Do you? This is, sounds like a funny question. Does it? Do you ever get people who have no idea that you're a banjo player going like, "Dude, what's up with your nails on one hand?" Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. How do you handle it? Are you just like, "I'm a banjo player." You know, play claw hammer. At, at first, I used to say like I don't do it for the way that I look, or for the way that it looks. And then I realized that that's sort of a weird and normative kind of like thing to say. So now I just, you just, just I think you should say um, I'm half man, half woman in my spare time. Yeah, I could because it's like you can really do that look with. I've I've had that before with classical guitar, and I'm like, that's my yeah. very feminine hand, and this is my masculine. <laughs> yeah, it's just to it's keep like, me balanced. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you could really like paint some cool now. I think I should. I think I should do that. Yeah, yeah, you really just got to overstate it. Yeah. Red, bright red. You do. Yeah. Make yeah. it look – because, yeah, when it's just sort of a subtle thing that you notice, that it's just like, yo, what is up with those? <laughs> yeah, but if I, like, really own it, then it's just, like, a lot more comfortable to talk about. Because I suspect that everyone actually does see it, and then only the people who are, like, comfortable enough to bring it up <laughs> bring it up. Yeah. You know, or, like, they'll assume that I play guitar or something. But uh, Yeah. You know, working with kids – you know, oh, kids it, say, yeah. Oh, yeah, they would tell you straight away. Yeah, they're straight like, straight up. Yeah, those nails are gross. I hate yeah. you for, for having nails like that. <laughs> and it's also a little bit like a superhero or something. I'm sure there's like. Thank you, Claire. Yeah, you're superhero. welcome. Yeah, like Black Panther. Uh, it is like yeah, Black Panther. Right? On one hand. <laughs> On one hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. like Two Face and Black Panther or something. Yeah. I don't know what I've got. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. I reckon it's awesome. Yeah. Okay, last question. Oh, had one more. Bum diddy. What's that? So that's the basic claw hammer stroke, which is and it's bum, bum diddy, diddy, like B U M. Diddy bum diddy bum diddy bum diddy. Yeah, it's ah. a sort of onomatopoeia. Okay, yeah. I also just like saying bum diddy. Yeah, it's, yeah, good. it's good. kind of fun. Yeah. Okay, so is that what you start if you start learning? Uh, there's a lot like of different schools of thought about how to start learning the banjo, but a lot of people would say yes. Okay, yeah, fabulous. Okay, last question. What advice would you give to yourself if you were kind of oh. 18 <laughs> and going, I don't know what the heck to do with my creative stuff, potentially my life, what what would I do? What advice would you give yourself now? I think actually it starts creatively. Um, my advice is it, there has to be some desire and ambition and want to do it. And it all starts from there. And if you can tap into that, then that's that's the essence of it because – 
you know, especially with learning an instrument as a great example, you know, I'll teach people and I can tell if they're doing it because they think they want to play but they're not that ambitious about it. Then it's really different when you meet somebody who thinks they want to play and they're really going at it and they're like they're really working it out and they'll practice and they'll come back and they've totally learned it and they want the next. When you, if you can find that sort of want and will to do something, then mm. I think tap into it and go for it, yeah. Cool. What about you, Cameron? I think my musical journey, my creative journey, just keeps getting better um, the more that I uh, listen to other people and uh, learn from them. Um, specifically for, like, old-time music, people were pointing me in this direction for a long time before I started uh, actually playing it. And I think for a while I was kind of resisting it. But I, I kind of wish that I'd gotten into it sooner because it's, I think, been a really uh, spiritually healthy thing for me to do, to play this music and to realign my values and priorities. So I think what I would say is um, to myself is like look for mentors and like listen to them and and do what they say and like expand your um, your interests because I was interested in some cool stuff, but I think my scope was too narrow. And, um, I think if I had allowed myself to be molded a little more by the people who were, yeah, trying to like encourage me and push me towards like, Hey, isn't this cool? Isn't this cool? And I was like, no, what I'm doing is cool. (laughs) Like now I, I'm just like, Oh man, what everyone else is doing is cool. I just want to like learn as much as possible from everyone else. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, that's what this whole show is for. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, totally. Yeah, get people I've yeah. never met in a room and pick their brains about the cool yeah. stuff they do. Because that's it's that's right. It's endlessly fascinating the worlds that people are in and the kind of going down the rabbit hole of sculpture or fiddling or yeah. old time music or yeah. I don't know, woodwork or whatever. I'm I had I interviewed a girl recently who um, makes donuts and she's fallen down the donut rabbit hole like, oh, yeah? so far down and she's obsessed with it but she has this sort of really loyal following and they're amazing donuts. But it is it I think that it's more about that, right? The process yeah. of of trying lots of different stuff mm. and then narrowing down, oh well that's cool for now. I really love that. Let's go down that road as far as we can. Yeah. And it's actually okay if you land on other stuff, do it for a bit and go, mm, nah. Not for me. Yeah. You've got to start yeah. somewhere. you just got to do it. Yeah. Start. Just Get make the thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Just make it. Just make the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just start and see where it goes. Well, thank you so much, Cameron and Nara, for coming in. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Claire. Peaches in the summertime, apples in the fall. If I can have the one I love, don't want none at all. Shady grow, my little love, shady grow, I see. Shady grow, my little love, I'm podcast called Just Make the Thing with me, Claire Tonti, and with Cameron DeWitt and Nara Demison. You can find Cameron hosting Get Up in the Cool, his podcast on iTunes. Just follow the link in the show notes below to that and also to his website where you can find more about where he's playing and also purchase some of his recordings. You can also find Nara Demison making musical instruments at his website in the show notes below. If you want to check out some old time music and um, even see Cameron play and you're in Melbourne, Victoria, he's still touring and these two will be playing at the Mountain Grass. I'll just check if I get this right actually. Yeah, Mountain Grass Festival, um, the weekend of the 9th to the 11th of November in Beechworth, which is this amazing little country town um, with an incredible bakery and honey and great pubs and also a thriving music community. So um, I think I might even be heading there to check out Cameron in November. So that should be really fun. For more shows just like this one, subscribe and rate and review us in iTunes. We'd just love you to do that. We've got lots of interesting interviews with artists and makers and creators. Um, The artist Claire James, who is a painter, she talks a lot from her magic garden. Um, 
about creating and painting and being a mother. Um, there's also interviews with comedians like Will Anderson and Jess Perkins and um, with podcasters as well. Um, I also have interviews with people like Geraldine Hickey, a writer called Jamila Rizvi and a beautiful Australian musician called Claire Bowditch um, who also sings a beautiful original song in that track. So if you've liked this episode, I'd head to the Claire Bowditch episode right back in your feed. Thanks again for your, all your support. It means the world to us. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email me at justmakethethingpod at gmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram, which is where I spend most of my time, at Claire20, um, or on Twitter at Mrs. Sunday Movies. And for more podcasts from Australia, just like this one, head to planetbroadcasting.com. Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.